Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. Welcome back to part two of our two-part show on Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. When court was adjourned, Mikey, Randy, and Buddy had just wrapped up their discussion on Mr. Zuckerberg and were starting to transition into the social media machine, Facebook. Will the boys go easy on the defendants, or will they bring down the hammer on the popular social media site? Let's find out on this week's episode of... Asshole Court. Facebook keeps chugging along. It's accumulating massive amounts of VC money at that point and it's evolving into the behemoth that it is today. At Parker's suggestion, they drop the the from the Facebook and it simply becomes Facebook. They switch from the college student only model to everybody can have access to it, right? I remember in the early days, you had to have a .edu email account to start a page. And I remember my girlfriend at the time is around 2004, like gushing about the Facebook and how cool it was. And it had just come yep. to like Kennesaw State stuff like that. And I was like, what is that? I don't even know. And this was actually even before I got on MySpace. So I didn't have any fucking clue about any of this stuff, dude. I was just like busy drinking and smoking weed. (laughs) (laughs) See, from the VC side of things, though, user growth is the name of the game. It's the only thing that matters. Anybody can code a social media site, right? It's not that hard to do. You can do it right now. The only thing that truly differentiates the sites is the amount of people that use it. The valuation of a network effect is known as Metcalf's Law, right? Something that they use to do evaluations on almost anything where there's, it's literally called the network effect, right? Like I said, what matters is that people are using it. It's like telephones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have two telephones, okay, well, those two people can talk, but it doesn't fucking matter. Now, if 10 people have telephones, you have all that different configurations where there's like, I don't know how many multiple configurations you have at that point. So when you start getting into the millions and stuff like that, then you start evaluating what it's actually worth, right? And it's much harder to, to dislodge because just like when people want to change away from, you know, remember when Google Plus came out or whatever it was, it was going to dethrone Facebook as a social media platform. The reality is, is that people don't really want to change. Right. Same thing that banking models rely on. Like yep. you don't really want to go through all that fucking trouble of changing and putting pictures up and you've already got this stuff there. So the more people you can get packed into that social network, the more valuable it is, right? <clears throat> and Facebook was valuable because it came on early enough that it secured a lot of users, but it needed more. Because the other side of the coin for the VCs is that in order to get rich off of a project, they need it to go public. And no social media site had gotten to that level yet, right? Mm -hmm. They started out with early, we've talked about this in other episodes, you get seed funding, you get round A, you get round B. Every time there's a new round of funding, someone's getting paid off. But the ultimate prize is you go public, it goes on to NASDAQ, whatever it is, and then everybody's rich. Grandma's on Facebook. That's it. Yep. And in 2007... Growth bogged down at around 50 million users. And this was the number that other social media networks had stalled at. MySpace, for instance, bogged down at around 50 million users and never really got over that. And there was a real question at the time if this was like the max potential for Facebook or like just social media platforms in general. In response, Zuckerberg created a special growth team. And this team had every resource from the company to boost user numbers. His one-time speechwriter, Catherine Loss, explained that the, quote, engineering ideology of Facebook was clear. Quote, scaling and growth are everything. Individuals and their experiences are secondary to what is necessary to maximize the system. One of the founding members of the growth team explained that they were fanatical in their goal for growth. Quote, you will fight for that inch. You will die for that inch. And one of the solutions for boosting numbers was to offer the site in more languages. Seems like a pretty sound idea, right? Open up new markets and boom, there's money there. But the trouble is that you have to have resources in place to properly manage and moderate these new markets. And Facebook wasn't exactly great at doing that. According to a Facebook employee at the time, quote, it was very difficult to get the kind of resources that you need to do a good job of ensuring real compliance. Meanwhile, 
you looked at the growth team and they had engineers coming out of their ears. All the smartest minds are focused on doing whatever they can possibly do to get those numbers up. And that's problematic. You know what I mean? If you're yeah. not supporting all aspects of the business, you're only kind of throwing a lot of stuff into one area. You don't care. It's just, you know, I'm just going for everything in that mm -hmm. one. That sets a dangerous precedent. Well, you and see it in business very often. Companies will focus solely on growth. Yes. Right. And they'll pop up a bunch of stores or locations or whatever the case may be. And then all of a sudden, five years later, they flatten out and they've they can't. Yep, themselves. they've overextended sure. themselves and they can't, you know, they don't have the resources <laughs> to back all the yeah. overhead and capital, all the things that they need to succeed. Yeah. It's just not there anymore. Yeah, it happened with like Krispy Kreme notoriously and some other stuff like Captain that. Captain D's and stuff Captain, like yeah, that. Yeah, you just overextend. Or Long John Silver's. The difficulty with those companies is that the repercussions come in the form of like closing businesses, mm -hmm. closing locations, and people losing jobs. For Facebook, we'll see what that ends up occurring here in a little bit. One of the crucial growth metrics for Facebook was known as the L6-7. <clears throat> Former Facebook employee Sandy Pericalis, uh explains it like this, quote, You could say it's how many people love the service so much that they'll use it six out of seven days. But if your job is to get that number up, at some point you run out of good, purely positive ways. You start thinking about, well, what are the dark patterns that I can use to get people to log back in? Aside from the obvious that Facebook needs people logging in to be a successful social network, what does Facebook get from its members? Like the saying goes, if the service is free, you're the product. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Facebook's business model, the thing that makes it billions of dollars every quarter, is to sell targeted ads to people. And it targets those ads like a laser, thanks to people being so willing to offer up information about themselves. Zuckerberg senses reality from the very beginning. Check out this early IM chat that was uncovered by Business Insider. Zuckerberg says, yeah, so if you ever need info about anyone at Harvard, just ask. I have over 4,000 emails, pictures, addresses, SNS. The friend says, what? How did you manage that one? Zuckerberg says, people just submitted it. I don't know. They quote, trust me, dumb fucks. Damn. It should come as no surprise to anyone with a functioning brain that Facebook knows a whole hell of a lot about its users, right? Yep. The collection data starts at the volunteer level, as mentioned. Age, employer, relationship status, likes, locations, email addresses, etc. But then it goes deeper, tracking everything from location to the strength of your phone's battery. It collects biometric facial data without the user's explicit opt-in consent. It even tracks the data of non-users on other sites and apps. Thanks to tech like pixel tracking and Facebook's third-party ad network, Facebook can track a great deal of your activity on other websites and in different apps on your phone. According to our own research, this is from a New York Times article, Facebook has pixels or other cookie sharing code on about 30% of the top 10,000 sites on the web. And according to its own marketing literature, the company's tracking tech is used in 32% of the top 500 Android apps and reaches 1 billion people per month. In fact, in 2015, the Belgian Privacy Commission ordered Facebook to stop systematically using long-term and uniquely identifying codes to track non-users without their, quote, unequivocal and specific consent. The agency subsequently sued Facebook, and in February of that year, a judge in Brussels ordered Facebook to stop tracking each internet user on Belgian soil on other websites. So even if you're not on Facebook... Facebook knows a fucking ton about you, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. And that sort of data collection is concerning to me. Like, that's not fucking cool, dude. Like, you should have to consent to, if you want to be, I get, okay, look, if you want to sign up for the website and stuff like that, and you want to be a part of that stuff and you submit information, okay. But if they're collecting data on something else, like, I just don't, I don't like that. Sure. Well, yeah, what no. does Google do? Well, no, I, yeah. I mean, they all, a lot of these people do this. So this isn't. I mean, we can do a show on tech data collection all day. Nah, like, this it's boring. Is, well, like, here's the thing. <laughs> a lot of it was Facebook set the precedent for all of it. I mean, Google collected a lot of information and stuff like that. But once we move out of Google, you're looking at like Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, Pinterest, TikTok, all that stuff. Facebook set the model for it. And everybody's just kind of copying after them. And goddamn, Facebook's good at what they fucking do. Yeah. If they hadn't done it, somebody else would have. Google, like you say, Google was already doing it, still does it. I mean, I guess if, if the idea is that, you know, well, fuck it, because someone's going to do it, that's sort of like a defeatist attitude in my mind, because I'm like, I would rather someone be like, no, fuck this shit. You shouldn't be able to lie. You shouldn't be able to do this shit. Those lawsuits are, are, are important. They should happen on a global scale. Like Europe's like right to be forgotten should be occurring, especially here in the U.S., yeah, and say, as opposed to just being like, well, you know, look, whatever. If it's not Facebook, it'll be somebody else. Because I just read recently, this engineer broke down. He went on the backside of TikTok and was like, this makes Facebook look like 
a fucking school kid. Yeah. Compared oh, to, the, yeah. to the information that they're that they're taking. And then you get into the TikTok is arguably an arm of the Chinese government. Right. right? Like to some yep. extent, because of the way that, that business works in China. That's fucking horrifying. Yeah. yeah. No, it absolutely is. No, and that's how you know they start to weaponize it in a sense. You know, you've got all this information about all these different people and especially people in other countries and stuff like that. That's yeah. how governments can sit there and manipulate stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, and if they and if you if they push it an inch, they'll take it a mile. You know what I'm saying? So the, the longer that we just sit there and just be like, well, this is just the way it works or whatever, the more that this shit occurs. And like maybe there's no way of turning, you know, you, you can't put it back into Pandora's box. But like I'm like, I just I'm not willing to. Accept and just it. to play devil's advocate a little bit. A lot of it is the human basic want for information sure when we pick up our phone we literally say google it oh yeah right? yeah it's so a you don't think they're capturing all of our search information oh, millions are. and millions so if you never use their mm-hmm. service then they'll never have much information about you unless you're not on any platform any social like my stepfather mm-hmm. he's hard to find on the internet mm-hmm. like you google him you're not going to find him right and yeah, he's not pretty- on anything you know what I mean? and that's intentional he yeah. stayed away from that my, my internet footprint is pretty small. Right, right. That's by design. I don't like that shit. I mean, I'm just like, I don't I don't get it. But, but yeah, that's a small percentage. A of very the, small percentage. Yeah, so very, for everybody else with this absolute de- desire and yearn to know mm-hmm. about other people, yeah. to seek out other people, to learn about them, like you said, the people are the product. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? So this, this desire to want to know, quickly have information at mm-hmm. the click of a button or the, the snap of a keyboard, mm-hmm. um, that's what's going to drive the basis behind all of this. Sure. And that's okay. why we're having well, this conversation. That's why we, yeah. everybody should be having this conversation as this thing plays out. But here's the problem that I see with that. All right. It's in human nature to want to go out there and kind of search out some of this stuff. Sure. And, you know, that's... An, I don't really see anything wrong with that. You know, it kind of fills uh, a little bit of a void or something like that. It it quenches your curiosity or something like that. But the problem that a lot of these companies are doing is that it's not human beings on the other side that are sitting there like curing all this information for them, like the workers Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You're running up against like supercomputers and Mm -hmm. AI that's (laughs) gathering every click that you do. They're gathering that every video you watch, every Mm -hmm. second of engagement per picture, they're storing all that information to sit there and turn it back around on you to see how they can get you to engage even longer. Well, and that's exactly what I was just about to get into, because I was going to say, and then it utilizes all of that information that it gathers and then an extremely powerful artificial intelligence service to analyze each user's behavior. For instance, a potential Facebook advertiser can find a user base of 7 million people for such obscure criteria as people who, quote, prefer high value goods in Mexico. You know 100%. what I mean? 100%. And it is a, but there is how a value are you component. supposed to fight against that? Like, that's no longer. I got to ask why you got to fight it. I bought three or four Christmas presents mm-hmm. off of advertisements I had off Facebook. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff, like, it's my interest. It's exactly, um, guess what? Huge shocker to everybody. I get a lot of poker advertisements mm-hmm. on my Facebook feed, sure, right? of course. And I'll be, like I said, it probably listens to the shows I'm watching. We love watching Shit's Creek, right? There was an, an, a website that sold a whole bunch of Shit's Creek merch. I sure. went on there, bought my wife a sweatshirt for Christmas, right? Like, So it feels like you guys are completely demonizing, like, oh my God, they shouldn't fucking know anything about you. You signed up for it. You clicked on the box to I agreed all the terms and, con- mm-hmm. and conditions mm-hmm. and you put all your information in there and all of a sudden they're the bad guy. I get the whole backdrop of, yes, they're just scrubbing everything that you do and mm-hmm. trying to turn it I don't uh, against you, but I don't really see it. It's not necessarily it. against you. Well, that's kind of what it feels like is well, being no, portrayed and, here. And I'm not like, demonizing. I'm just saying like everybody should be aware of, of how this plays out. You know what I'm saying? And you should be able to you should be able to opt in or opt out of this shit, which is why my big beef is being like Facebook tracking me, even though I don't have a fucking Facebook page. That's not cool. You know but you, well, are, can you go on like you said your Google footprint's very low, like but you don't have any Facebook links to you, do you? I don't know. But everything they, that is on the internet that involves you is probably put on the internet by you. Well, or my IP address or my phone and stuff that's linking all to me and where I'm at at the time and stuff like that. And again, we talked about this, like now this one, they'll say that they don't listen in on conversations or whatever, but we've had this conversation before. I was at a Thanksgiving dinner one night, literally talking about CPAP machines. Like I never in my life have talked about CPAP machines. We just happened to be talking about it one night. I was making a joke about how this guy that we knew or whatever, I was like, he looked like Maverick when he fucking clocks in to go to sleep. <laughs> and then like literally the next day, I start getting advertisements for CPAP machines. It fucking freaks me out. It's a privacy issue for me. Like I'm like, I do feel like someone's eavesdropping in on me constantly as I search through things or, you know, whatever it is. And the thing is, is like, okay, you know, like it doesn't bother you. 
right? That's fine, but it does sure. it does bother me. So it bothers me on an individual level that I try to minimize, and I still think that there should be some transparency about the way that they do. Well, it almost feels like you aren't going to be able to have a smartphone in your pocket because mm-hmm. it is what it is. It has yeah. an audio input. It has a computer in it. So all these things that essentially generate all of the things that you don't want, you have in your pocket. Right? Yeah, but what, so, else, what so, other product so I guess has done that in the history of, of mankind? Like everything else that you've ever bought in a bike, you got to ride it, but it's not learning and trying to get you to actively engage with it. It's just waiting there for you to use it. Sure. Whereas the people at Facebook and all that stuff, they're actively trying to get you to come back to the phone and keep on scrolling through so that way they can keep you in front of advertisers and they're using psychology tactics to keep you scrolling. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like when they switch the feet. Like, if you how go is back- that a bad thing? I, well, I mean, it's I, so- I, I won't say not, it's not totally terror. It's not totally great, but at the same time, like again, you sign up for it. I go to Facebook mm-hmm. to see literally the Michael Jackson meme where he's sitting there eating the popcorn mm-hmm. and watching. That's what I go to Facebook right. to do. Right? Sure, sure. I go for the arguments, the comments, the memes. I rarely post, but that's what I go for. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's not like. I feel like the devil's watching me 24-7 when I'm on there either. It's, I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. Is that all you want to see on there? You know what? I'm sick and tired of seeing all these fucking people's kids' videos and shit. I don't care about that, but I I see it. I look at it. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. It's the people you're friends with and whatever they post. And granted, I know you don't see all the posts from all your friends and they do have some sort of AI set up to where you if you stay on a picture longer, you're going to see that person's post longer. I get all that, right? But if you do think of someone, oh, I went to high school with this person, you can search them up, mm-hmm. click on their name, and see their recent posts, right? Like, I don't know. It's not like the devil's out to get me because I go to Facebook. Well, I don't, and, and also, I, I, to be to be fair, I don't think that anybody's sitting here being like, it's Satan. And I'm just saying, like, there's some stuff that is questionable, even ethically questionable, and there's nothing wrong with, like, pointing this out. Oh, no. And, and so this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm not sitting here being like, it, Mark Zuckerberg is Satan, and this is, like, the mark of the beast. I'm just saying, like, these are the things that are concerning to me. Sure. As a, as a company. I think that asking the, the ethical question is there, and it's, it's a decent question to ask. What did we do before we had cell phones or anything, or computers to even tell us what the answer was? Function. We went to the encyclopedia, right? Yeah. Sure. I remember oftentimes at our dinner table... We would be just talking about whatever it is, and they'd be like, huh, I'm not real sure whatever this is. Randy, go downstairs and get the <clears throat> S to SR version of the encyclopedia, you know, because <laughs> it had to bust the S into two pieces. And then we would look and, and find it, right? So that's the old school way of getting information. Mm-hmm. As technology evolves and mm-hmm. people evolve and processes evolve, mm-hmm. this is kind of what comes of it. Granted, I don't think it's going to wind up in like T2 mm-hmm. set up, you know what I mean? Like the machines and the robots are coming to get us in the end of the world. Like 100%. But I don't think that that's what we're demonizing right here. But I think there's been no other time in history that we've had such a leap in technology getting smarter, in a sense. Like the only product that's really kind of doubled or gotten two times better, in a sense, is like the cars. Like cars have gotten mm-hmm. probably about two times faster than they did when they initially came mm-hmm. out. But when you look at like computers and their... It's Moore's law, right? They're just exponential growth and yeah. computing power. So we need to, I think more <clears throat> what it is, is right now in this time frame, we need to kind of be just looking at it and trying to figure out what is ethically right about what's going on in this time frame right now. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like 50 or so tech people that are deciding kind of like what everything looks like and what you're looking at all the time. Mm-hmm. And now they've become the owners of the most wealthiest companies of all human history. And they're the ones deciding everything. Well, and they also sort of know how to to prime you for like responses that feel good sort of like mentally. Like they know this. They've done. I'm I'm about to get in this here in just a minute. But that's kind of where it kind of ties back to Zuckerberg, because, I mean, you look at the three main goals of any of those platforms Mm -hmm. and you've got the engagement goal, Mm -hmm. which is to drive up your usage and keep you scrolling. The growth goal to keep you coming back and inviting as many friends and getting them to invite more friends. And then the advertisement goal to make sure that as all that's happening, they're making as much money as possible through advertising, which yeah. is that's a you know solid business model. But each of these goals is powered by algorithms whose job is to figure out what to show you and keep those numbers going up. They often talked about at Facebook of being able to dial that as needed. And they talked about Mark having those dials. What does he want? Like, hey, I want more users in Korea today. All right, we're just going to turn the dials a little bit, you know, and just do it just a little bit and uh, just dial up monetization just a little bit. And it's not just Facebook. It's all these social media companies that are doing that. And then Mark owns two 
of the biggest three three of them what's that jeez uh, yeah. you know we're gonna get into that here in a minute they can sort of create these feedback loops of interaction that they use to continue to drive growth and uh, inter, you know like an interaction <clears throat> i think it's just scary that any one person has that control of the dials where it affects effectively two billion yeah. people you can always who, get off. You can I, always I, I disable your account. Set, you can always, well, you can always clean your account. Anybody delete it all. And, control to that is scary to me. And I think that that's what we should be discussing right now. Uh, but yeah, they can do uh, things like identify people who are more likely to engage or distribute liberal or conservative political content. And interestingly enough, in 2011, the company asked the Federal Election Commission for an exemption to rules requiring the source of funding for political ads to be disclosed. In filings, a Facebook lawyer argued that the agency, quote, should not stand in the way of innovation. Um, and it's a lot of stuff that's been going on here. A lot of people feel that it drives this sort of echo chamber amongst conservatives or liberals or whatever with that. You know, they just they know who's going to post this stuff. They can target this stuff, these political ads. For the longest time up until oh, post-2016, you didn't have to say who you were with or where that money was coming from. So, you know, there's some arguments that that created problems. But up until recently... The company has allowed marketers to target users who may have had an interest in various illnesses, like the 110,000 Facebook users who were listed under the category diagnosis with HIV or AIDS, the 51,000 people listed under erectile dysfunction, and 460,000 users listed under, quote, binge eating disorder awareness. So those are like sort of like HIPAA things that I'm interested in, too, like a HIPAA violation. If they know all this stuff, I guess people are volunteering themselves, but you're like, that seems strange. Here's one of the issues that I also had um, a couple of years ago. I was like drinking a little bit too much. So I wanted to get on the wagon for a while. Facebook actually had it in their advertising settings that you could click on there and not receive any ads about mm -hmm. alcohol. And I was like, sweet. Awesome. I don't need to see Jack Daniels flashing through mm -hmm. my eyes right now when I'm trying to be straight and narrow. And I clicked on that. And I mean, for a year solid, I still kept on getting advertisements for alcohol all the time. Mm -hmm. And I even tried sending them emails with like, what the fuck? Why do you even have this as an option mm -hmm. if you're still going to keep on advertising to me that way? And that's kind of fucked up that maybe they have to do this because of regulations. Like, mm -hmm. oh, no, we put it out there that, you know, you can opt out of yeah. certain kinds of advertisements, but they still keep on pushing it on you. Yeah. And um, there's also more there, though, because in 2012, Facebook used their subscribers for a social experiment titled, quote, Experimental Evidence of Massive-Scale Emotional Contagion Through Social Networks. In this experiment, Facebook tested to see if presenting more positive or more negative content on their newsfeed would alter emotions. And they did all of this without the express consent or even knowledge of the experiment on the very people that they forced to participate, which is, almost needless to say, ethically questionable. Like, <laughs> a lot of people get paid to engage in experiments at universities and stuff like that, or at least, uh, you know, say that they want to be involved, that Facebook was just like, ah, fuck it. We're going to run an experiment. Were they all folks. Facebook users? Yes. When you click, I agree to yeah. the terms and conditions, read the terms and conditions. Nobody reads terms Nobody and conditions. Nobody does. Exactly. It's but that's why they, they're there. They, they do it intentionally. They fill it full of legalese to make it long. Well, and stuff confusing. like that, right? Yeah. You know. As a side note, their experiment showed that, surprise, surprise, <laughs> Facebook doesn't make people sad or jealous or depressed or dissatisfied. It makes them happy when they see happy stuff. Hooray for Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, a similar non-Facebook-backed study found otherwise. One of the largest studies published in the American Journal of Epidemiology followed the Facebook users of more than 5,000 people over three years and found that higher use correlated with self-reported declines in physical health, mental health, and life satisfaction. But whatever. The growth effort and targeted marketing model works, and Facebook blew past that 50 million user herder with ease and went public, making early investors monstrously wealthy. Zuckerberg does some classic super rich guy shit, he was the world's youngest billionaire at one point, after all, right? <clears throat> so he bought two huge tracts of land in Hawaii, pissed off some locals. He engaged in a feud with a developer who was planning on building a mansion that would arguably have views into Zuckerberg's California mansion. When the developer eventually gave up the project, Zuckerberg spent $44 million to buy the houses around him for breathing room. And to be honest, like, whatever, dude. Neither of those things bothers me too bad. And I would probably do the same thing right now if I had billions of dollars at my disposal. Honestly, probably the exact same thing. I would buy yeah, a big sure. fucking chunk of Hawaii and I would eliminate my neighbors. Not personally, <laughs> but I would buy their shit. Hey guys, if you enjoy what you're hearing, please do us a favor and share or repost our show on your favorite platform. We love and appreciate the support. Now, back to the action.
He marries his college sweetheart, Priscilla Chan. Aww. They honeymoon in Rome, where Mark drug her all around to see the historical sites, but mostly to see statues and things related to Augustus Caesar. According to Zuck himself, quote, My wife was making fun of me, saying she thought there were three people on the honeymoon. Me, her, and Augustus. <laughs> all the photos were different sculptures of Augustus, end quote. Pretty weird, I suppose, but whatever, you know. He has children, one named Maxima and the other named August. Wait. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Seriously? That little pumpkin pie haircut he's sporting now is starting to make a lot more sense. Yeah. Zuckerberg is really on some serious Augustus Caesar shit, and this is where it becomes concerning for me. In an interview with The New Yorker, Zuckerberg expressed his fascination for Augustus Caesar like this. Quote, you have all these good and bad and complex figures. I think Augustus is one of the most fascinating. Basically, through a really harsh approach, he established 200 years of world peace. What are the trade-offs in that? On one hand, world peace is a long-term goal that people talk about today. On the other hand, he said, that didn't come for free, and he had to do certain things. As pointed out by the same New Yorker article, for non-classics majors, Augustus Caesar was born in 63 BC, staked his claim to power at the age of 18, and turned Rome from a republic into an empire by conquering Egypt, northern Spain, and large parts of Central Europe. He also eliminated political opponents, banished his daughter for promiscuity, and was suspected of targeting the execution of his grandson. So why is Zuck so struck by Augustus? Is there a like kindred spirit thing there? A young man who conquers the world and pragmatically improves it? Hiccups along the way and all? I'd fucking say so. I think the dude really likes to see himself as like an Augustus type figure, right? I I, I don't know. I what's wrong with that? I I, I get like mm-hmm. oh kill people. It was the fucking in the Roman days, right? Six hundred BC. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of crazy shit. Oh, going so I'm on, not I'm not judging I mean? Augustus here. Right. I'm saying it's a weird thing here, and I'll I'll get into this here because one of Zuck's longtime friends stated Mark has a teleological frame of feeling almost chosen. I think Mark has always seen himself as a man of history, someone who is destined to be great. And I mean that in the broadest sense of the term. So, yeah, I mean, that sounds like you're on some chosen one emperor's type shit. You're man. the fourth richest guy in the world. You yeah. probably have to feel a little way about some of the things you've accomplished, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not saying it's like the coolest thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's right or wrong. But you get to be that wealthy and mm-hmm. you have so many people telling you oh, for yeah. decades now how awesome you are. Totally. Like, doesn't yeah, make it cool. It's right. true, though. It's yeah, go your you head can see a little bit. absolutely. Yeah, one hundred percent. And sure, like I said, some listeners might think that I'm overplaying this. Uh, Randy might think I'm overplaying this, but think about the very real power Mark Zuckerberg possesses. Facebook is the initial product, yes, but Facebook also owns other social media behemoths, Instagram and WhatsApp. NYU's Stern School of Business professor Galloway points this out. Scott Galloway is his name. He says Mark Zuckerberg is trying to encrypt the backbone between WhatsApp, Instagram, and the core platform Facebook such that he has one communication network across 2.7 billion people. Now it's roughly three-something. What could go wrong? Going further, Galloway said, the notion that we are going to have one individual deciding the algorithms for an encrypted backbone of 2.7 billion people is frightening, regardless of that person's intentions. If Facebook were a country, it would have the largest population on Earth. More than 2.2 billion people, about a third of humanity, log in at least once a month. And Galloway is correct in stating that one individual would be deciding the algorithms for uh, Facebook, because unlike a lot of CEOs and founders, Mark Zuckerberg has a freakish amount of control over Facebook as a company, as an individual. In addition to his positions as chairman and CEO, he controls about 60% of the shareholder votes, thanks to a special class of stock with 10 times the power of ordinary shares. 60% control of any company means you can do whatever the fuck you want with that company. You have ownership control. You have control over a communication network of a third of the planet. Mm -hmm. Now, Maybe he's a nice guy, right? Maybe that's whatever. Well, why haven't every major government shut it down? Well, that, that's the problem. You, because we're in a, a time now, and this is, this is, and I don't want to extend out too long on this, but you have basically like international corporations where the idea of like nation states themselves as the end all be all of business just doesn't exist anymore. We're trying to transition from the 20th century model of what business and like the globe and politics is into the 21st century where you really truly do have like global business and global everything well so, the, the guys from was it belgium yeah had a lawsuit and they told them you can't track our people anymore. in belgium correct why haven't china united states mexico spain because all you, these major countries why haven't they done the same thing well a you have to look at like the lobbying model of the u.s right like they can spend a lot of money on lobbying to make sure that doesn't happen and then also on top of that like but if it's if it's as evil as everybody's portraying it why haven't they done it it's more than just dollars right no, why? No. I mean, I don't know. Tell me. I mean, I mean, 
because there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff that should that should be happening at that the end isn't of the day this is all voluntary behavior by a third of the planet right if you're on facebook and you have an account you are actively posting putting pictures saying things you're the one giving up this information mm-hmm. and to this point it hasn't proven to be like too evil right mm-hmm. oh my god they dictate what ads i see on facebook mm-hmm. well that's how they make their money well, is of off advertising. Yeah, but right? it's an infrastructure question, right? Like if you're building this to such an extent and one guy has control over it, what if he does decide to go rogue on this shit, right? Like it could get bad quick. And then on top of that, like they have, it's regulatory issues all the time because you can spend money to avoid being regulated. So none of this should ever happen, right? No, I think that at a certain point that you have to break up companies that become this large. They did it in the 19th century with oil trust. They did it like Teddy Roosevelt was notorious as a trust buster. When they got so much power that filtered all the way up to the top, whether it was the oil trust or the sugar trust or whatever it was, they had a disproportionate amount of power. And he had to break those up so that, that you could get a competitive field to play again. So, yeah, there was a model for this before. Yes, you don't punish them necessarily aside from just saying like you have consolidated entirely too much here. You shouldn't be able to control all three of these things. All at once. And then, like I said, I'm not an expert on this, but there's a lot of people like Lawrence Tribe and stuff like that that have written extensively about this, about how you sort of like de-escalate the situation while still allowing people well, none, the opportunity. None of that has happened. And then you have companies you have companies like Amazon. Okay. Why haven't they done anything about Amazon? Well, then I don't. It's like the circular logic is like, because if nothing's happened means that there's nothing wrong. Is that what that is? Or I don't understand. I don't understand. What do you mean? You're yeah. saying, no, you're saying that a company becomes so large and so dominant mm-hmm. that you have to go in and bust it up. Yeah. Amazon, that guy's the richest guy in the world. Yeah. Right. You want to talk about specific advertising? Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, you can have a conversation, bring up Amazon and it's trying to sell you. No, I agree. I think Amazon should probably look at the same situation. I think when they get this so large- all, all these companies that are doing pretty much the same thing by specific marketing and advertising mm-hmm. based off information that- if it's completely involuntary mm-hmm. and it is just a phone listening to you and then, mm-hmm. you know, programming whatever advertisements are coming out of your apps to, to ping you, mm-hmm. that's a little odd. But again, if you're signing up and you have an account with Amazon and you have an mm-hmm. account with Facebook and you're on Instagram and you're on Snapchat and you're using WhatsApp and you're putting all this information out there. Yeah. Well, you had to buy shit. You got to kind of check. Well, then you got to kind of check yourself. Right. Sure. It's part of it. But it's also the thing that argument said that you have to exist in society and that the Internet is part of that now. You know what I'm saying? And these companies are so large that you almost don't have, you don't have a choice. Well, you exist in society, in society, right? My stepdad exists in society. Mm -hmm. Pretty successful guys, right? But it's not something, again, you're not part of any of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I don't know. That's just my counterpoint, right? It's like, I don't know. It feels like. Trust busting was something that occurred in the 19th 19th, century. In the the 18 and 1900s, right? We keep talking about evolution of technology and business and things like that. That was almost 200 years ago. 150 years ago. Well, no, the trust busting was occurring in the turn of the 20th century. So you're looking at 100 and 110 years ago. Really all right. the way up from the 1880s through the 1920s. Sure. Until the 1920s, you had, like I said... You know, 1880s, you're like 20 years removed from the Civil War But it doesn't point. matter. It's, it doesn't matter about the time frame. It's about the idea that when they all the power filtered up to the oil industry and you had Rockefeller over sure. there, or you had the steel industry or whatever, and everybody had to participate in that thing and that they had disproportionate amount of power, they were like, Dude, that they could game the system to where you couldn't even be competitive, like the stuff that you read about Rockefeller doing to other oil companies or and whatever. Then, and, it then it, and then it evolved. And then you had OPEC, who controlled the fucking Middle East. And then the U.S. came back, and yeah, they but, became the largest. But I'm so saying that the there trust was, was a valuable natural thing. competitive balance versus... But it had to be... The, they had to bust the trust to get to that point of it being competitive again. That was the reality of it. Otherwise, you, you would end up with those monopolies, like I said. Once they found the oil in the Middle East, like we go on this for days. Once they found uh, the, the oil in the Middle right, East, that's so what you, started OPEC. You disagree? And that's what, okay. I do. I do. Right, I do. It just feels fine. like we're completely demonizing a platform in which half the world uses and gets I don't a, lot like of, a lot of good out of it. A lot of good out of it. I think what both me and Mikey are trying to say is that there has to be more discussion about what's going on with how they're approaching tactics towards their customers. I don't think that that's if a, they they would be stuck at 50 million users if they did what everybody else did. No, that's not that's not that's the, what everybody else did. And that's where they got stuck. No. How many people okay, are in MySpace so, nowadays? So it's basically what you're saying is that anybody gets to a certain point that they can just do whatever they want that's, at that point because they've got what I just said. I said you once you get to a point where you get to where all of your competition has gotten, what do you have to do to differentiate yourself from everybody else to keep moving forward? Right. They chose this route, whether it's. Good, bad, ugly, right, wrong. It's what they did. And again, half the world utilizes it. And honestly, a lot of good comes out of it, right? We'll see. We have somebody, we have a friend in the hospital right now who is fighting for his life, right? His wife is constantly putting Facebook posts out there Mm -hmm. as to 
how things are going. Sure, sure. That's her line of communication right. with all of her friends, all of her family to let everybody know how this guy's doing, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. But see, this What's is so the, bad about like, that? I'm not, no, no, there's there's nothing bad about it. And I don't I'm not demonizing the, it. I'm not saying that there isn't some positive value to it. Like I said, I understood when I first got onto MySpace. I was like, this is interesting. It wasn't for me. I'm not demonizing it as a, as, a, as a choice. But what I'm saying is that, like, why can't Instagram be a separate company? Why can't WhatsApp be a separate company? Why can't Facebook be a separate company? Why is it them accumulating it all together? Like, that is problematic. That's, man, that's business. You know, it, all well, that's the, what we're talking about. I mean, that's what, like I said, it's just big. It's just business for Rockefeller to buy all of those oil companies companies or Carnegie to buy all the steel companies and then eliminate like all the competition competition whatsoever. And then basically gouge pricing for the users. Now it's a different thing. We're not talking about gouging pricing. We're just saying that the usage of the average person or whatever becomes the point where they don't have much of a say anymore and they can't go to like another network because it's like, well, whatever they have a dominant share of the entire market. So I just don't see why you could still use all that stuff. And like I said, and I think you're mischaracterizing what I'm saying here. I'm not demonizing saying like everything that comes from Facebook is bad or Mark Zuckerberg is Satan. I'm saying that there are legitimate concerns that I have with how the company operates and how the whole thing is set up. I don't think that any of these people had bad intentions when they first started the companies at all. And I don't think that they really have a lot of bad intentions right now, but sometimes Pandora's box, once it's opened, it can't be closed. There's stuff that spirals out of control. And you look at it like Facebook, it was great. It connects people with family that you otherwise mm-hmm. you wouldn't have been able to connect with. Uh, WhatsApp, by comparison, my mom is from Brazil. And back in the 80s, she would have to call collect to Brazil at like five o'clock in the morning because the long distance rates were insane. Yep. By comparison, I can go over to Europe and WhatsApp my mom on FaceTime for free these days. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like there's a lot of good that comes out of these companies, yeah. you know, but there are certain things that we do need to look at in a sense where like YouTube, you got YouTube for kids and there's no regulations on the advertisements that come out and that are being shown to kids. Back in the 80s, we didn't get shown a lot of that shit. When we had Saturday morning cartoons, there were laws that were put into place about stuff that we could not be advertised, that we could not be shown because we were too young for that stuff. And now we've moved pretty much all of kid. I mean, the majority of kids consumption comes from YouTube kids and YouTube and, you know, the Internet where there's not any regulations. And that's where I think that we kind of need to look at it a little bit more. Yeah. And like I said, there's there's certainly positive sides, but there are certainly dark sides, too, which is what we're about to get into with what happened in another country. So, again, yeah, all the, the positives we just talked about mm-hmm. communicating with people and this that, and the other. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we want one thing from them but we don't want all the other stuff that comes along with it that they need to do to kind of drive usage growth and the other thing that you mentioned what's wrong with what's wrong with setting up and just saying hey we can't show kids fucking beer commercials there's i mean all right hold on let me let me jump into one example here and then you can tell me what you think about this and like I said, Galloway pointed out the intentions is important here also, right? Because Zuckerberg, like every other tech guy from Silicon Valley, loves to frame his company's intentions as almost entirely altruistic. They love talking about connecting the world and making it a better place to the connections of loved ones and friends and whatever. And like we talked about, that does happen. That's cool or whatever. Yeah, 100%. But as we pointed out earlier, it's not about that. It was and always has been about growth and siphoning off user information for profit. That's their business. And I get that. But consider the Facebook approach in a place like Myanmar. Right. In Myanmar, which is a country of roughly 50 million people, Facebook got in early, right? Very extremely early and is, for all intents and purposes, the de facto Internet in the country. Right. Like when people talk about I'm on the Internet in Myanmar, they're just on Facebook, which is great for Facebook as a company. You know what I'm saying? But if they have the ability to get on Facebook, they have the ability to get on the Internet. Right. But they do everything from their phone. So they like because Myanmar was closed off for so long and they just opened up as a free society or whatever after Aung San Suu Kyi came through, they basically just started using smartphones then. So it's the first thing you use. Like AOL was the first internet for whatever, but it would actually come preloaded on the phones. Yeah. So that way, like as your mom's getting a phone over in Myanmar, she's opening it up. Like all she has to do is hit the button, get to Facebook and kind of gets hooked and on then it. Like, set right a away. profile and yeah. put her pictures and agree well, to on, terms and services. On, okay. On, all right. So what sort of resources do you think a company like Facebook who nets roughly 15 to $20 billion a year and pure profits would allocate to a country of 50 million peoples that they'd market dominate? In early 2015, there were only two people at Facebook who could speak Burmese, right? The language in Myanmar. They had two people that were viewing the posts in Myanmar. Before that, most of the people reviewing Burmese content spoke English. Their lack of oversight created a bit of a problem. Long story short, 
top members of the Myanmar military weaponized Facebook to provoke a genocide on the Rohingya people of the country. From a New York Times article, they posed as fans of pop stars and national heroes as they flooded Facebook with their hatred. One said Islam was a global threat to Buddhism. Another shared a false story about the rape of a Buddhist woman by a Muslim man. The Facebook posts were not from everyday internet users. Instead, they were from Myanmar's military personnel who turned the social network into a tool for ethnic cleansing, according to former military officials, researchers, and civilian officials in the country. The previously unreported actions by Myanmar's military on Facebook are among the first examples of authoritarian governments using the social network against its own people. It is another facet of the disruptive disinformation campaigns that are unfolding on the site. In August, after months of reports about anti-Rohingya propaganda on Facebook, the company acknowledged it had been too slow to act in Myanmar. By then, more than 700,000 Rohingya had fled the country in a year in what United Nations called, quote, a textbook example of ethnic cleansing. The toll of this genocide was using statistical extrapolations based on surveys conducted a study estimated in January 2018 uh, that the military and local Rakhine population killed at least 24,000 Rohingya people and perpetrated gang rapes and other forms of sexual violence against 18,000 Rohingya women and girls. 116,000 Rohingya were beaten and 36,000 were thrown into fires. Zuckerberg famously said, Facebook is about helping people share information and share themselves. But I suppose you forgot to add that it's also an incredibly powerful psyops tool for bad actors who will exploit Facebook's greed-driven, egregious lack of oversight and moderation in certain markets. They should have absolutely had more people moderating the content that was coming through there if you're going to be like that country's internet. They could have caught onto it way earlier and been like, yo, they're using this shit to basically foment fucking violence. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Does that... That's bad. That's bad and they thing. admitted it was bad. Right? They did. Right. Okay. They did admit it was bad. So Facebook did take some of the blame. In 2018, Facebook acknowledged that it was used to, quote, foment division and incite offline violence in Myanmar. And they did eventually take down a number of accounts responsible for fomenting the genocide. So there's that at least. But then the Gambia, which actually I didn't know. It's not Gambia. It's the Gambia. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Huh. Learned that today. Interesting. Interesting. Not today, this week, whatever. The Gambia filed an application in U.S. federal court seeking information from Facebook that would help it hold Myanmar accountable at the International Court of Justice, the ICJ. Facebook and Zuckerberg were all like, nah, dude, fuck that noise. Not giving you any of that information. Calling on the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia to reject the application, the social media giant says the Gambia failed to, quote, identify accounts with sufficient specificity. But as a Time Magazine article pointed out, the Gambia was actually quite specific, going so far as to name 17 officials, two military units, and dozens of pages in accounts. Twitter, on the other hand, did turn over their information. Facebook at one point said they were reviewing their policies in Myanmar to become a force for good in the country again. Zuckerberg, though, honestly, like I said, I don't think he's overly concerned about being a force for good as he is just building a business at this point. Sure. And a part of me thinks that he ultimately had larger designs on power, power outside of his vast digital empire. I think we saw him testing the waters in 2017. That year, Zuckerberg went on a listening tour of 30 states. He traveled with a professional photographer who documented him doing everyday people stuff like feeding in a calf in Wisconsin, ordering barbecue, and working on an assembly line at a Ford plant in Michigan. Ask yourself this. What a great guy. (laughs) (laughs) A man of the people. That's it. (laughs) Hey, guys, real quick. If you're liking the show, do us a favor and give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're catching us on. It makes a huge difference. Now back to asshole court. Ask yourself this. Who else does these type of multi-state tours? The elite rubbing elbows with everyday folks. People that want to be president. That's who. That's what popped into my head. I sincerely think that following Donald Trump's shocking 2016 presidential victory, Zuckerberg thought, why not me? And he launched a trial balloon and started trying to say, like, well, let's see uh, if people like me. Unfortunately for Zuck, and perhaps fortunately for the rest of us, Mark has all the natural charisma of an autistic fish. (laughs) (laughs) The, The internet had a field day with his photo ops, joking that the photos made him look like an extraterrestrial exploring the human race for the first time. Even his own close confidence at Facebook thought it came across as tone deaf and ridiculous. A former Facebook executive who was involved in the tour told a friend, quote, no one wanted to tell Mark and no one did tell Mark that this really looks just dumb. And then there was Zuckerberg's testimony in front of the Senate, which again, calling it awkward would be an understatement. The dude looked like a full on android from a shitty sci-fi movie. Some of those Zuckerbot memes were knockout, though. Oh, man, they were. 
So I do believe that Mark Zuckerberg has a plan to be a historically dominant figure, a sort of a Augustus Caesar, if you will, 100%. Do I think he has the ability to pull it off? Considering the stunning charisma deficiency? I don't know, dude. Time will tell. And that is Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. And to go back to the uh, kind of the charisma factor, mm-hmm. you have to be captivating somewhat, right? Yeah. yeah. And not just captain of the fencing club mm-hmm. and a great computer programmer and a great you know business builder. Yeah. There has to be something in your innate personality, just the way you're wired yeah. to captivate people and to pull them onto your side yep. of the fence. Just because you built something doesn't mean everybody's going to like you or agree with you. That's the thing, too, is because like in this New Yorker article, they were pointing out that they were like, all of these tech giants are polarizing figures. Like at one point, Elon Musk is like the savior of, of mankind. The next, he's a psycho that's like making fun of some guy trying to save some Thai boys or whatever it was and calling him a pedophile. Same thing with Jack Dorsey at Twitter. At one point, everybody hates him. Another point, they love him. But Mark Zuckerberg is almost always just despised. Like well, they're just remember kinda, John McAfee. Who yeah, did a show oh, yeah, on McAfee, of right? Everybody has McAfee antivirus on their uh, mm-hmm. computer. That guy, you talk about a character. Holy shit. If you haven't listened to that show, go back and listen to it. It's yeah. uh he was a character, yeah. right? He had charisma, but it wasn't necessarily like the presi- right kind of presidential charisma. charisma <laughs> no, right? he did try to run for president yeah. a couple times. And, uh, and here's the deal too, like I'm not just trying to single out Zuckerberg. A lot of these guys that are in that get to this level, and like Randy had pointed out, you get so much success, you don't see failure, you're surrounded by nothing but yes men, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. unbelievable amounts of power just by virtue of having a billion dollars, by having billions of dollars. You can get, you can phone any senator you want and get a call that day. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Sure. And that's fucks with your psyche. Mm-hmm. But there's no way around it. I don't think that Zuckerberg is the only person out there that has like grander visions of fucking, you know, of glory or whatever you want to call it. But I think he does have them. And I think like his historical horniness for Augustus Caesar is fucking weird to me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I know he's um, one of the people that have signed off on the giving pledge, mm-hmm. right? So the giving pledge pretty much says that over your lifetime, you are going to give or donate 99% of your yep. wealth to the greater mankind, to mm-hmm. improve mankind, whether it's through foundations charities things like that whatever warren buffett i don't know if he started i, think, it. I believe he started it. okay yeah. warren buffett bill, bill gates, gates they uh, started it together and yep. then they're like basically like strong-armed all the other billionaires like what yeah. are you pussy bill <laughs> ackman, doing it bill ackman's on yep. it elon musk has signed mm-hmm. it warren buffett is one of the only like rich billionaire people that i think is genuinely like a straight up down home regular nice guy he still lives in like the same thirty thousand oh, yeah. dollar home he bought back in the 60s or yeah. something yeah. like that yeah yeah but yeah so and it kind of that's what rubs me a little bit wrong about Jeff Bezos is mm. the disproportionate amount of money he doesn't give away to help improve mankind. When you have money like that, there's a lot of good oh, yeah. that you can do over time. And I know we didn't really touch on it much, but I know Zuckerberg's given away literally hundreds of millions yeah. of dollars. He gave 25 million bucks to the COVID, mm-hmm. um, the COVID um I guess the, I don't know if it was for the, the vaccine push or the initiative, was, yeah. right? Sure. But he gave a hundred million dollars to the Newark, New Jersey public school system. Yeah, he did. Yep, I remember um, that. So just, I mean, insane amounts of money that he's given away, and he's already pledged to give away most of his wealth throughout yeah. his lifetime. Because at the end of the day, when he dies, he's still going to have generational wealth mm-hmm. for the rest of his family. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? like grandchildren, great oh, great great grandchildren. Well, and th- there's of. also like sort of an arc that occurs with the ultra super wealthy, and it's happened since the days of the robber barons is that they eventually start thinking about their legacy that they Mm -hmm. leave behind it happened with rockefeller it happened with carnegie it happened with all these guys where they were like you know what people are gonna think i'm a fucking asshole (laughs) unless i do something like this now that's why you have rockefeller center and carnegie hall and Mm -hmm. you have all these schools you know what i'm saying that that they donated to and built up and stuff like that and of course put their names on oh yeah you know what i mean so it's it, it sort of falls in in place with that you know they still did horrible fucking things um but they yeah ultimately they i mean it's funny to, if, if you watch like bill gates was a an absolute villain in the 90s like people were like you know he's, he's trying he, to take over the world he smashed yeah like he smashed competition he did things that were unfair then and, and like took out software companies or whatever yeah, bottom and all was, up. Yeah. was ruthless and and stuff like that and then now he's a superhero and i think the stuff that he does now is fucking fantastic he's like one of the best people 
uh, uh, the Bill the and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, it's amazing oh, yeah. what they do. Steve yeah. Jobs, on the other hand, is a total fucking asshole from front to back. Like that guy didn't. <laughs> that guy parked in handicapped spots. <laughs> he did. He would notoriously. Seriously? Yeah, he would. He would buy a new Mercedes every. I can't remember what it was. Six months or something like that, and it wouldn't have a license plate on it. And then he would park in handicapped spots and all that. Never gave any sincere, significant amount of money away to anybody. Huh. Didn't even pay for his fucking actual daughter until he was forced to. Oh, so wow. we can get into Steve Jobs one day for real. But yeah, like, oh, cool. The guy made some cool products, but a fucking horrible human being, like right. front to back. So Zuckerberg's not that bad. I guess that's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess I'll start off uh, final ratings here. So I knew a lot of the stuff we talked about with Zuckerberg. I did learn something new about the whole Myanmar thing. Didn't mm-hmm. know a lot about that. That yeah. was interesting to find out about i don't think this guy is out to take over civilization and have ai dominate the world and the robots come kill us all Mm -hmm. and take over everything we do i don't think so Um, there is probably a little bit of room for improvement when it comes to again the charismatic and the more empathetic view of the world Mm -hmm. versus just trying to grow and push and Mm -hmm. users and Mm -hmm. all the things that kind of all the analytics that go into building facebook and keeping it yeah, uh, responsible the growth. That it is right, responsible growth. Uh, so there is a little bit to be desired there, but overall, I think my my view on him is, you know, it, he's not a terrible guy. He's mm-hmm. he was, I guess, kind of normal uh, mm-hmm. before all of this started. Has it gotten to his head? Absolutely. But it's make him a horrible person. I wouldn't say so. I'm going to go end of the day score five point five, and for Facebook. Um, I don't know. I love it. I, again, I go on there. I'm on there every day. Again, I don't ever post shit. I keep up with people. Literally, we just had a break a little while ago. Was scrolling through it. I saw a good friend of the family with their newborn baby. Saw a funny meme. Just the things, again, day-to-day, just kind of enjoyment. Again, the AI stuff we talked about and kind of uh, agreed slash disagreed with a lot of the, the tactics that they use to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, is it 100% ethical? Maybe not, but at the end of the day, again, I'll still say, you know, you kind of signed up for it and you voluntarily put a lot of this information out there yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was my next score? Mm -hmm. 5.0? I'll probably jump it up to about a six. Okay. All right. So with Mark, I did learn a lot of new stuff because I was starting off at only the movie theatrical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I think that he started this company with a lot of good intentions, and I don't really think that you know, just trying to dominate the the marketplace in a sense, you know, technically makes you an asshole, mm-hmm. uh, you know, aspirational and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, you know, to me, it doesn't sound like a lot of the stuff that he's done really makes him an asshole. It does make me a little bit nervous when one person can sit there and basically run the dials uh, for so many people. He basically is the president of the digital world in a sense. But. You know, does that make him an asshole? I, I, I just I don't think that that does. So for me, as a final asshole score for Mark, I let's see. I originally had him at a five point five. Uh, I think that that's actually a, a pretty good point to mm-hmm. put him at. Now, Facebook itself, I like Randy. I go on there every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I look at everything, you know. There are things about the AI side of it that make me nervous, you know, and I, and I see it. In a sense, you know, I've got friends that four or five years ago were not as hardcore about certain things that they are now. And, it, you know, looking into it, I do see that some of the echo chambers that Facebook will kind of put you into uh, as a way to also drive up their advertising and market you to certain people can it isolates you from society in a sense. And if all you're seeing around you is the yes men in the same way that Mark is, all the people around him are like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. It kind of inflates his head. I think that that does the same thing for people in these small echo chambers. And I get it by you constantly going to it. That's what you get because it is a free product. Nobody's forcing you to do that. But at the same time, I think that they are deploying questionable marketing tactics to get you to come back versus just showing you all sorts of stuff that you could like. They could just be showing you clothes and food and stuff like that, you know, not Mm -hmm. just stuff that is like geared towards your echo chamber. And anyways, so Facebook as a tool, I think that it originally was a tool. That's not what Mark originally set out to be. I think he was trying to connect people. He was trying to, in the beginning, as an application that was designed for colleges and 
people uh it was basically like an online fraternity if you will you had to let people into your own little world and that way you could also find out stuff about them you know i don't think that there was really any malicious intent with that but as it has grown and developed as a whole nowadays i do feel that it's kind of just spiraling a little bit out of control and i think that we need to look at that a little bit harder and maybe start new rules and regulations based on the changing society that we live in currently, because old rules and regulations aren't up to par based on this changing time that we live in. But on a whole, I think that originally I had Facebook at a 6.5 and I think I'm going to bump it up to a 7.0 as far as my final asshole score for Facebook. Okay. All right. Mark, I had him at a six. I'm going to leave him at a six for the time being. I don't think, um, like, he's not a monster or anything like that. I just think he's sort of like, he's lost the bigger picture of everything right now. And it's hard not to, you know what I'm saying? I would, God knows, I, I would probably be in the same situation. Who knows? I, you know, I don't think that he's an inherently evil person or anything like that. I just think that I would like to see some more responsibility from him and a, more, a better sort of view of, of how this product that he puts out there actually affects the entire world. Facebook, like I said, I, you know, I don't have a problem with what it does as far as, you know, on its face, ostensibly what it's about is connecting people. It's totally fine. I think if they practice responsible growth and I would like to see it be less dominant as far as a company owning all of these arms of social media. And if you split them into three companies again, then I think that would go a long ways. Uh, I don't know exactly what that would look like because I'm not like a genius in that area, but it does concern me that you know he has a third of the population at his control if he wants to, to do sort of however he wants to message things or anything like that. Having access to just message a third of the world is, is a big deal. And it's not just Facebook. So when I'm talking about Facebook, I'm, I'm talking largely about a lot of these big tech companies because God knows that YouTube sends people down specific rabbit holes into echo chambers. I mean, you can't even watch like an MMA video or a boxing video or something like that without getting Joe Rogan and fucking Ben Shapiro ads sent to you constantly. And I've seen people go down that rabbit hole. Like a guy that we used to hang out with really went down it for like a year. And I had to sort of tell him like, dude, it's cueing you to continue to watch things that are like tangentially related to what you're into. And Joe Rogan himself thought that the by going through these rabbit holes, thought for a while that us going to the moon was faked. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, all right, guys, yeah, I talked to some people. Yeah. And, but that's the power of these, these platforms. Holes. Yeah. And that's the thing. And that's why you see flat earth or stuff like that. It can funnel somebody into an echo chamber extremely quickly into where they don't see that. Like if Facebook was offering everybody sort of the, like the whole buffet of thoughts and like opinions, then it would be fantastic. Like we sat here and we don't agree on all this stuff like that, but I think we're kind of coming to like a middle ground, like, okay, cool. You know, whatever. We have difference of opinions. Everybody makes valid points about certain things and stuff like that. But if we just sat here and everybody had the same opinion or whatever, then I don't think that there's a lot of value in that at all. But right. Of course, that the doesn't way that, engage discussion. Right. And what Facebook and uh, YouTube and these other platforms do is that they know it's more immediately rewarding to have someone say, yeah, you're fucking right. And then that sort of, like I said, it carries you down into this, this hole where I think a lot of what's happening now with shit like flat earth or stuff like that is because there you go. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it finds people that agree and it kind of groups them all together and then shows you what they're constantly thinking. So it's, it's like a feedback loop. So if, if I could see those things happen, then I'd be happy to put Facebook at like a, a six as well. But for the time being, it, it's not happening. It doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. But I'll come down. I'll come down to an eight. So, Mikey, do you remember my idea? Yes, it was an excellent idea. I had a social media platform idea mm -hmm. <laughs> called Fartbook. Yes. All right. So it sounds very childish and stupid, but what Fartbook would be is a real select group of your friends where you could kind of say and do things that you wouldn't put on Facebook, right? Mm -hmm. If you're on Facebook, you're probably friends with your mom and your mom's friends and grandma. your grandma. And yeah, all the old teachers, things like that, where you can't post some of the stuff. Some people do anyway, mm -hmm. just fucking let yeah, it all hang out. Nasty stuff. But uh, on Fartbook, it would be your opportunity to, uh, again- Be yourself. Be yourself, right? That We were joking not too long ago. If you really like- first instincts when you're like flipping through Facebook and you see a picture of a woman holding her kid, you're like, damn, your baby's ugly. 
flip down. Damn, girl, you need to lose a few pounds, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just mean kind of (laughs) mean book, (laughs) mean book, right? But it's It's more face smash than it is. I I need to look in the mirror a little bit, kind of analyze. Randy's (laughs) trying to create a more Povich like his own. No, he's trying to do the initial face smash where you compare him to barnyard animals. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. A fart book that was my idea damn near a mm-hmm. decade ago but i'm sure that would i'm sure you would share something on there somebody screenshot it and send yeah. you to hell for it but yeah it's true anyway anyway i had a, yeah i thought a fart, fart book. book that's right mm-hmm. i remember that it was about 10 years ago yeah fart book yeah all right with a 5.5 from randy a 5.5 from buddy and a 6.0 from mikey mark zuckerberg's final asshole score is a 5.6 Okay. Six, six, six. No repeating. Way. He's the devil. <laughs> I think no, that's just, just a function kidding. of the math of three people <laughs> yeah. doing this now. And uh, Facebook with a 6.0 from Randy, a 7.0 from Buddy, and an 8.0 from Mikey. That's easy. Has a final asshole score of a 7.0. Okay. All right. There you go. Well, we appreciate you guys listening to the most serious episode that we've ever done. <laughs> there weren't a whole lot of laughs, but I feel like there was some valuable discussion about this. And uh, if you guys... If you want to discuss this and hit us up on our Instagram page, <laughs> because there is one. And, uh, you know, don't forget, this uh, episode has been sponsored by Zuckerberg Dentistry. <laughs> and a big shout out to Shaggy24. Shaggy always leaves us some funny, entertaining comments mm-hmm. on uh, our Podbean page. You are the man. Yeah, no, much appreciated. All right, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Asshole Corp. As always, if you like what we're doing, give us a like or a share on all our social media accounts. Uh, Tell your friends. The irony is not lost on me. Right, right exactly. Everybody stay safe out there. Be kind to one another, and we'll catch you next time on Asshole Corp.